Hi guys, welcome to today's episode of Ready with Shift Podcast. This is Jaja co-hosting with Nankwat. Yes, again. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm super excited to be here again. Um, welcome Nankwat. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to have you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So on this episode, we will be um, continuing our series on This Could Be Us. For those of us just listening in for the first time, this could be us. This series we started last week on the Ready with Chief podcast, where we compared the education, health, economic, governance, and security systems of Nigeria with that of other countries, where the systems seem to be working quite well. The aim of this series is to understand why these systems are working well in these countries, but not so well in Nigeria. We will also be highlighting the factors inhibiting the systems from thriving in Nigeria and factors enabling the systems to thrive in other countries. Last episode, we compared the education system of Nigeria and Ghana. I'm, I'm just going to allow Nankwa to refresh our memories. Yeah, so on the last episode, we looked at the structure of the education system in Ghana and then in also Nigeria. We highlighted the problems in Nigeria's education system. Uh, We spoke about the strides that were made in Ghana's education system as well. Um, We also highlighted issues in Nigeria's education system that affected the quality of education. These were issues um, looking at the quality of teachers, the unavailability of learning resources at schools, particularly public schools. Uh, We looked at the poor quality of the infrastructure at most schools and the over 10 million out-of-school children in Nigeria. And then also in comparing this with Ghana, we acknowledge that for a developing country, Ghana's education system is doing pretty well. Um, I also remember mentioning that in its 2013 and 2014 reports, the World Economic Forum actually ranked Ghana as 46th out of 148 countries for education system quality. Now that's enough we have for now. So if you want to get the juicy details that we discussed in the previous episodes, um, go on there and listen. All the facts, examples, jokes, if you just play the previous episode, basically. <laughs> yes, play the previous episode. Catch up and thank us later. Yeah. Today, we, <laughs> today we'll be comparing governance in Senegal and in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of us are like, mm, Senegal, why Senegal? Because of <laughs> a population of 15 million. Well, let's give you a little background of Senegal before you jump right into conclusion so um senegal is a country in west africa it is a multi-party democratic republic you know it gained independence in 1960 and with its stable democracy senegal remains the only country in west africa to never have experienced a military coup the country is considered one of africa's model democracies so yes we are comparing Senegal with Nigeria today. Nankwa, let's hear a bit about Nigeria. I mean, I know we all know a lot about our system here, our political system, but let's just run through. Okay, so basically, by Nigeria's constitution, it is a democratic and secular state, or, demo, or democratic secular state, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, we're famously referred to as the giants of Africa, mostly, mostly because of the large population of over 180 million people and its economy. Nigeria also has the third largest youth population in the entire world. Wow. Now, those are awesome stats. Yeah. If you didn't look for now, you know. 
So imagine how they looked we would be if we had transformative leaders who could transform these very excellent stats into good and development. It would just be in short amazing. <laughs> I know. Well, now it's important for us to mention that Senegal still struggles with a lot of the same development problems that we face in Nigeria. Issues such as high youth unemployment and high poverty rates are still of very high concerns in Senegal. However, our focus today is on how they are trying to improve governance in the country in order to be prepared to solve these challenges. A lot of us think that solving, you know, challenges such as poverty, you know, and unemployment should take priority. And yes, it should. However, we need to realize that a lot of these challenges are first and foremost governance challenges that translate into underdevelopment challenges. When we have corrupt leaders that are not concerned with implementing progressive policies mm-hmm. and taking very intentional steps towards ensuring that governance is good enough to benefit the people, then mm-hmm. development becomes far-fetched or need i say unattainable right right jaja i totally agree with you in nigeria we can actually hinge a lot of the development challenges that we're facing on the outrageous cost of governance alone Mm -hmm. a report in 2012 actually showed that the cost of governance in nigeria ranked among the highest in the world and this has been on the rise since then just recently in 2018 a senator from kaduna state chehusani he stated that a senator received 13.5 million naira as running costs every month i don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but it was actually yes and it was trending oh, yeah, yes, yes, a lot of people were going crazy and wondering how and why it was possible and this is excluding a monthly salary of 750,000 naira and the 200 million naira given annually for constituency allowance and other undeclared allowances like does this actually make sense when you look at the figures and think about it think about it these are very outrageous figures i remember when it trended sometime last year and you know this doesn't just happen at the federal level it is also replicated at the state level across the 36 states and the 774 local governments i mean <laughs> well, as Abagana rightly stated, the appointment of the maximum number of cabinet ministers, which entails a retinue of aides, official cards, and other perks, extravagant expenditures, corruption, and homogeneous severance allowances, should point us to the need for a review of the system. I mean, if this is happening at the federal level and across all 36 states, imagine. I don't know. I, I don't know. Imagine each right. Nigeria getting that amount of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't have resources for development now, definitely. <laughs> At all. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. And this is just, by the way, um, Abagana was the former special advisor on civil society to Atiku Abubaga. Just mm-hmm. so you know who I quoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that this is quite I think that it is quite ironic rather to have this amount of resources going to salaries and allowances for elected officials while the people who elected them into office struggle with poverty, poor quality of education, poor healthcare and the like. Yeah, it's, and in, it, it's interesting because in Senegal we see a whole different scenario playing out, you know. Mm-hmm. Intentional steps have actually been taken to cut out the cost of governance. And one of the most celebrated steps was the decision of the current president, Max Sal, to reduce mm-hmm. the size of government. So what he did was he abolished a multitude of parallel state structures and also abolished the Senate, which essentially replacing it with like a less powerful house that only has an advisory role. 
The government is still very large in part, but this is an intentional step step that's taken for um, the purpose of reducing the cost of governance to free up resources and fund other important sectors of the country. Hmm. Another important thing to note, Senegal's economy is progressing rapidly. I mean, in 2016, it was termed by the World Bank as the second fastest growing economy in Africa. In 2017 also, Senegal's economy grew at the rate of 7.1%. This growth cannot only be attributed to the action taken to cut the cost of governance. I mean, the government has also taken some active steps towards achieving a more transparent government. We see a situation where immediately after resuming office in 2012, the president disclosed his own personal financial situation. The president of the National Assembly also did the same. The president took this step further and is currently pushing for a law that requires such disclosure from everyone in government responsible for more than 1 billion CFA. So we see intentional steps being taken, not just to cut Mm -hmm. cut the cost of governance, but to also reduce corruption. Wow, and in Nigeria, we're seeing the very opposite situation playing out. Like, after the elections in 2015, um, President Buhari actually refused in his first term to fully disclose his assets despite promising to do so while campaigning for office. And after coming under intense pressure in 2015, he merely made public like some of the details of his properties. And then even after he came on board as president, very little was accomplished in his first term on the primary issues which he ran on. Issues around anti-corruption, um, economic development, prosperity, because of his absence from the country, and um, you know when he went on his medical leave. So basically, the country instead suffered an economic recession from 2015 to early 2017. Hmm. And on the other hand, in Senegal, from an analysis done by the BBC, it reviewed Senegal as having a reputation for transparency in government oppressions. It pointed out that the level of economic corruption that has damaged the development of the economies in other parts of the world, not just Africa, not just Africa, but in other parts of the world, is very low in Senegal. The country's efforts, you know, has seen um, its rise on the transparency index score from 36 mm-hmm. to 35 in the last six years, ranking 67 out of 180 countries, mm-hmm. making it the highest rank, the highest rank rather, in mainland West Africa. Hmm. Chacha, I don't think we should try to talk about cor- uh, Nigerian corruption in Daisizu. Maybe we should just skip that part. <laughs> because I don't know if you want to get depressed. <laughs> no, we must talk about it. <laughs> Let's see how we are doing compared to Senegal. Let's shake all okay. the tables. <laughs> there. We need to shake the tables. Okay. Help us realize the magnitude of the problems we are dealing with as a country and the urgent need for transformative leaders. Okay, okay, okay. So, in the spirit of shaking tables for better leadership, <laughs> here it goes. Nigeria is the 144th least corrupt nation out of 180 countries, according to the 2018 Corruption Perceptions Index. Um, this is reported by Transparency International, by the way. And its score is 27 out of 100. That's 27%. According to a report by BBC, Nigeria is now on track to becoming one of the poorest countries in the world in the next 25 years. Basically, if some drastic measures are not taken right away to tackle corruption and establish good governance in this country, this is what our reality is looking like. This is what our future is looking like. Oh, oh, oh you mean your own reality, right? 
I'm definitely not going to be here when that happens. Ah, Jada, wait now. You have to run at me first. Better stay and fix your country. <laughs> but on a more serious note, we really don't want our country to become one of the poorest countries in the world. Right. I mean, from the stats mentioned earlier on, we know that Nigeria has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. All we need are transformative leaders to transform this potential to development. Mm-hmm. Achieve Nigeria. We believe that having these leaders are possible. In fact, these leaders already exist. Right. They're in our communities. And we can start by supporting them from this level. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's worthy to know that good governance doesn't just happen overnight. It takes intentionality, both on our side as citizens. Good governance is 100% possible with good leaders. Right. By taking baby steps like Senegal, we can achieve a whole lot as a country. Right. And as Shift Nigeria, we believe that change is possible, but you and I just have to be ready to shift. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Nankwad. <laughs> Anytime, <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Like I always say, don't listen alone. Get your friends to listen to and talk about this with them. Just keep the conversation going. Remember, our aim is to get you and hopefully everyone around you ready to shift. Ready with shift rather to shift Nigeria. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this channel. Also, feel free to favorite this podcast. Yes, it's possible you can. Anchor has provided that method. So please favorite this podcast. Tune in every Tuesday to listen to new episodes from Ready With Shift. Yes, add Ready With Shift to your calendar because you don't want to miss any episode. Bye for now. <laughs>